Initiative Podcast, Volume 7, Issue 194. We are back. Back with a brand new show. This is Vince. I'm sitting alongside Nick. Hey, everybody. Matt. Hello, everyone. And Crispy. Howdy doody. New show. We're back. Yeah, we had a little hiatus. You know, things happen. Sometimes you need a little time to recharge the old batteries. But, you know, Mm -hmm. it happens. It's life. Get our mana up. That's right. First things first, we want to congratulate the big Crisper over here who's taken the reins over for Save or Die as the new front runner. Congratulations, buddy. Thanks, man. I'm super excited. Uh, it's going to be great because I have not played basic D&D in a while and I've kind of fallen out of it. So a lot of it's going to be rediscovering stuff and getting that passion back. Yeah, definitely. We look forward to your first show that you had. Was it 139? Right. Yeah. One- mm-hmm. Yeah, issue. I'm sorry, Adventure 139. It was very good, full of a lot of good history and backstory. And you and your co-host Carl really went to town on that show to like step it up seven notches compared to what it used to be. Yeah, and that's what we're going to be trying to do. Um, it's going to be once monthly, so we'll have a lot of time to actually do research. And Carl is super great at that. Like a lot of the resources that we went into, he actually keyed me onto. Oh, cool. Um. And it was great to have him as a as a research partner. Well, good. You're bringing back the good name of Saad and uh, back to the harking back of the days when uh, Professor Mike was mm-hmm. on there and spouting out his goodness of history and lore and everything. So I think it was kind of missed, but yeah, people can enjoy it again. Yeah, it's awesome. Enough about you. No, crispy. <laughs> crispy will still be it's on the, the show. Crispy show. It's the crispy show. Did we do that in the past? The crispy. Yeah. Show? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. And people vomited. Yes. That one person that writes in is going to vomit now that you know that's your own son of a die. So. Whatever Steve. I think yes. that was his name. I'm not yeah. sure. If that's your real name. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So we look forward to hearing what Crispy's got once a month, hopefully maybe more. We'll, we'll see what happens. Crispy is mm-hmm. a very busy man. Yeah. <laughs> He's a man about town. Yes. So, um, Nick, what have you uh, been up to? What have I been up to? Oh, my gosh. Um, I haven't really been doing a whole lot of regular gaming. There's been some real life issues that's come up within our group. Oh. So I don't want to get into too many details, but you know, some life-changing stuff. So mm-hmm. giving my, my friend Jeff the time he needs, you know, deal with those sorts of things, and that's great. But we did go to Origins, which we'll was... that in a minute. Yeah. But we did go and had a good time. Good. The only the first, only thing I can say about right now is the it was busy, and so much so that we had to stay at a bed and breakfast. So <laughs> couldn't get a regular hotel room. It, they filled up fast, but that was fun. And I think we're gonna be um, actually getting back officially into our gaming group here to um, to. Uh, uh, probably next month in September once things get a little bit more uh, settled down. But you know, other than that, you know, I've been playing a lot of online gaming. Yeah. Are you playing uh, like on roll 20 or something or just like video? Uh, actually, no. Yeah. Video games. I've been playing world of tanks a lot. 
I saw you playing that earlier, yeah. Yeah, I've been playing that a lot, yeah. That's that, my latest obsession. With that new uh, fangled laptop you got, it must be great now. Yeah, it's shiny. Well, yeah. it's actually black, but... <laughs> It's it's new and uh, yeah I've been enjoying that and, and frustrating at times but you know it's it's fun it's something to pass the time and it keeps me out of the out of the wife's hair so <laughs> hey whatever works right whatever works yeah but other than that not a whole lot oh cool so I've been playing various games here and there some one e games and I'm actually been playing some five e games <gasps> yeah what. Yeah, I've been involved. My little my little paws have been involved with Five E since the uh, the test. Since we did that one episode. Oh wow! Crispy yeah. was involved in that, I believe. Yeah, the one right. where you got told you're not supposed to post this. Yeah, I don't know. But Crispy was involved, I believe, in that play test with me. Um, his microphone is muted right now, so if he's talking, he's not able to say anything. So yeah, I was typing something, but I don't remember this. Yeah, I think we did a play test that you were involved with. Maybe. And that's Probably. back when we got our hand slapped because we weren't supposed to post it. Whatever. Oh. Yeah. So during the play test, the like blanket NDA for yeah. you know, the biggest RPG on the planet. Mm-hmm. Sure. Let's try to sweep all that under the rug. Yeah. yeah no, no big deal. So I <laughs> I've been involved since then and just kind of kept my nose in it. And I was like, when it, when it came out, I'm like, you know what? I'll just take the plunge. And I really liked it. So whatever. Oh. I'll just go with it. Well, I know that, you know, fifth edition is like, I know it's very, you can modify it, manipulate any which way you want. Mm-hmm. So that's, a, some, that's a redeeming factor. There's some things that give me a big headache in it, but overall it's, it's a really smooth game. There's a lot you can modify to make it like one E. So that's why I really like mm-hmm. it. I only think that always drives me up the walls, the initiative system. And I need to fix that. That's the only complaint mm-hmm. I really have. I hate individual initiatives. Yeah. So, well, I mean the rules for side base initiative are in the DMG. Oh yeah. But most people are like, I don't like the rule. Yeah. I have, I have 95 bonuses to my initiative. So I have to have, <laughs> I find that people born after 1985 have a weird time wrapping their head around side based initiative, but it's like, no, like, you go, I go, and then we roll again, and then you guys might get to go twice in a row. So, really, it's good for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But enough about me. Let's talk a little bit about Matt, because Matt has been actively running around everywhere. He did that one show for us where he was driving in the car yes. on his way to Origins. Yes, an hour 42 by myself. So, if anyone actually made that through it, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I went to Origins, and... Uh, I have to confess, I did cheat on RFI with another podcast. <gasps> yeah. J'accuse. Yes, if you listen to the Dice Towers Origins sh- live show, I'm actually, I actually made it on stage during their game show portion and won a fabulous prize chosen especially for me. So, if anyone well, board prize. listeners, uh, it was a that large Dice Tower die. Actually, okay. the two, yeah. Nothing that fabulous. Nothing that fabulous, but hey, I got on stage and it was, they had about like 300 or so people in the, one of the halls there at Origins for their show and they're, they're doing one at Gen Con and they have like 1500 tickets that's almost sold out. So it's a thing. That's um like the, the board game review show. Right. right Yeah. With Tom Vassell and Eric Summers. Yup. Yeah. That is a good show. I, uh, I've I've seen that in the past. It's good stuff. Yeah. 
So, yeah, if you listen to Origins, I'm the mad from Cincinnati at the very end that made on stage. I should have worked in a cheap plug for RFI, but uh, didn't. Way to go, Matt. I failed. I failed the podcast in front of a a large audience of target market for us. I failed to plug RFI, so I will hang my head in shame. I can't believe you've done this. Yes. So we're going to be volume eight real soon because we just fired Matt. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah. But when I was there uh, at Origins, uh, Wizards of the Coast actually had a quite a bit of a presence compared to. Yes, they did. I yeah. agree. Yeah, and yeah. I sat in yeah. uh, several panels that they did. Um, I sat in one. It was uh, Chris Lindsay talking about the DMs Guild and the Adventurers League. And the big thing for me coming out of that one was, uh, if you want to kind of get noticed by Wizards of the Coast, they want you to actually make this stuff in the DMs Guild and sell it. Hmm. So yeah. because if you make a product and it sells well, they pay attention to that. And mm-hmm. what they're starting to do is when they have a new product coming out, they're going to contact people that have made good stuff on the Adventurers Guild and be like, we're sending you an early copy of the book. We want you to make something for it that can be released on the DMs Guild same day as the book is released. So basically oh. same day DLC for your books. <laughs> That's exactly how he worded it. Same day DLC. I wish they would allow the DMs Guild to do like previous editions as well. Right. I know it's only for fifth, but I wish they would be like, "Hey, it's blanketed for all editions." Yeah. The yeah, reason kind of cool. The reason they're they're do not letting people do that is because they're really trying to avoid the fragmentation. Because even with fourth edition, like some of the prior editions, when it came to like their RPGA stuff, like in third, RPGA was in Greyhawk. But all the yeah. books were Forgotten Realms. What? Yeah. So they're trying to avoid that uh, fragmentation. By but everything ha- now is in Forgotten Realms. So. Right. And they're yeah. they're talking about expanding into more places over time because people were bugging them about, what about Plane Chase? What about Birthright? And so, yeah, what about Birthright? Exactly. Nobody cares Ugh. about Birthright. Shut up. So they, they've not ruled out any of it, albeit you may not. I don't think they're too receptive to hamsters in space and Spelljammer. Uh, but What's wrong but with Celtic that? Highlander rules? Give me Birthright. Mike Merles, please. Right. No. So, but yeah. I did actually a- speak to Mike Merles on Twitter for a little bit, and I asked him, was there going to be anything for 5th edition that's going to harken back to the old Immortals box set by Menser? And he said, briefly, in a very cryptic statement, there's something in the works. Right. So, I don't know what he's up to. Yeah, that, hmm. that's really interesting because like the way they're doing it now, they use epic boons. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. this isn't a fifth edition podcast, but <laughs> but, but also epic. what they're doing is the products people make on the DMs Guild is helping shape what they actually release. Uh, yeah. When the DMs Guild was, they saw all these character classes, all this. Hence, why they're they're releasing the Xanthar's Guide to everything. Mm-hmm. That's nothing but a player's book. They saw. Hey, players are making all this stuff. We probably should too. So basically, yeah. in some days, we're doing the R and D work for them. Same with uh, Unearth Arcana. That's basically a play test. And if stuff goes well, and when they release it in Unearth Arcana, it'll show up in a book. So they're finding new and interesting ways of putting out product, and the uh, community doing all the research and work for them. Yes. Yeah. Their their team is only twenty four people. On Dungeons yeah. and Dragons, twenty-four people. It's really small. That's it. Yes. Yeah, they've really fired a lot of people. 
Right. Wow. It's like the guys that got me in the uh, private play test for fifth, uh, yeah, are no longer with the company. Wow. So, so they, that- yeah. So it's it's a small group. Uh, so that's why they're putting so much stuff out there for the community to play with because the and that's also why there's the books are not being released as frequently as they have in the past. It's like once every three, four months. So that way everyone can buy every book and the entire. It's kind of like, it it almost harkens back to the original days of TSR. It was like, it wasn't like a ginormous group when they started. And most of it was community driven. Right. So I guess I could see the. Until Lorraine took over. Yeah. Well, 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 I could use. And it became. Deleted's about her, but I won't. T dollar sign R became at that point. Yeah, well, oh, like Kesha. Yes. Yeah, exactly. When they, if you did back in the days of bulletin boards and Usenet, if you made something mm-hmm. like a fan made module for D and D and shared it, you oh, would get sued. They would, they'd hunt you down. Mm-hmm. They'd hunt you down, shut it down, give you a cease and desist, and possibly threaten to sue you because you made your own material online. Yeah, be like Liam Neeson huh. and, t- and Taken. I don't know who you are. Right. I'm if- gonna find you. I'm gonna hunt you. It was pretty bad on AOL at one point. I remember people releasing stuff and then like instantly be pulled down by AOL. AOL saying violated terms of service. It was just like, wow. Yeah. yeah. And jeez. Yeah. Yeah. She was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. She was real bad. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. But and also what I found interesting this the concept of letting players use the the IP to make their own stuff has been in the works since 2010. Well, yeah, that was originally for 4E. They were going to yeah. do that. Right. It was 4E originally. Was. But that was, that's only like two years after where they pulled all their PDFs and everything offline. Because How of the fourth did edition. fourth edition last? Three years? Four years? Two, four. From 2008 to 2012, I believe. Yeah. The decision came out 2012, right? Yeah, yeah I believe so. No, okay. it was like, no, there was, a, there was like a dead year period of, and that was 2013. Because I'm trying to remember when I was doing the play test. I think it was like 2000, th- 2013 I was doing the private play test. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But they still had fourth edition books already in the pipeline coming out, but they already announced it was a dead product. Yeah. Because fourth edition was crap. Yeah. It really was, unfortunately. Yeah. But we're yeah. not here to make fun of that. I'm sorry. So Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So next thing, you had, you had something about uh, Mr. Perkins. Chris. Yeah. they He did a little... DM tips with Chris Perkins, which listening to him, I'm like, oh, so he basically DMs the same way we do because it was the exact same answers we would give. <laughs> so well, he's a former 1E player and he used to listen to our show at one point. Uh, Jason and I actually spoke with him at Gen Con 2011. So I don't know if you were there, Nick, but you said you can't remember that. So I'm assuming you probably weren't there at Gen Con 2011. Yeah, I don't believe I was. I stopped going to Gen Con in 06, okay. 07. And I think, Matt, you might have been there. Yeah, I wasn't there for that because I never actually go into the Watsy room at uh, Gen Con. So, yeah, I because I, I met up with you guys, but I didn't actually uh, meet uh, Perkins with you guys. In 2010 and 11, they actually had a whole big push for, like, the old editions when the books were coming out and everything. Right. Mm-hmm. So they actually had a whole room set up in there. For AD&D, OD&D, things like that. When they were doing Ty- yeah. Tower of Guy That's when they were and... doing the premium edition re- uh, reprints, right? Yeah, the yeah. ones that look... Oh, yeah. I remember all of that. They look awful. The It's blurry. And, ugh, I hate them. Sorry. I have them on my shelf. 
I know they're nice looking on the outside, but every time I look, every time I look at the pages in there, I could tell that they're not the same as pages. Yeah, because yeah. they <laughs> they couldn't well, the get like access to the original different. graphic design, so they just had to yeah. like kind of make an approximation of it. Well, they PDF'd everything and then they bound it essentially. Yeah, it just it, I could tell when someone's sitting across the table from me because I have a buddy that has a book that he made a special cover for that I can't see the outside. Every time I see him open it, I can look at it compared to my book and be like, yeah, that's a reprint. <laughs> yeah. Cause the reprint, the paper quality is different. It's glossy paper. It's not regular. Yeah. Pulp. And the oh. font looks blurry to me for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. Cause they couldn't find the original font. Yeah. So they, so they just blurred a font and made it think like, it. no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Well, you could do a whole little section on how they got random house back in the day to do it, which was a hell of a coup. Ugh, yeah, I had wished with those reprints that I I pre-ordered the OD&D box set, and then I ended up canceling it because I was like, eh, I don't need this. Uh, but that thing is now like three hundred bucks unopened. Yeah, that that one actually, yeah, appreciated in value because it was actually done well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, way to go, crispy. Way to go. Yeah, I messed up yeah. again. There went your retirement fund. Yes, you let down all the save or die maniacs. If three hundred dollars is your retirement fund, you need to do a real good self evaluation. I'm, I'm retiring to Mexico, where I will live like a king. Oh well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Chris Perkins. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and Pretty the cool. other thing I noticed, and this could also be self selecting due to the uh, type of uh, panel it was. Lots of new players. It's like I've been playing D and D for like a year. I've been playing D and D for six months. I've been really, yeah. Well, because yeah. Chris Perkins does the Penny Arcade, so no. he does the Penny Arcade D and D game. He also does um, Dice Camera Action, which yeah, is I was going to say is a Dice Camera Action. Yeah, and- with a bunch of like video game YouTubers. Like, there's some dudes from like Normal Boots, which is a big like Let's Play and video game review thing. Um, one of the Game Grumps' wife is on that show. Uh, there's a couple other things as well. So, like, yeah, there's uh, Matt Mercer's um, Critical Role, Critical Role yeah. Yeah. which but I'm going Chris to Perkins have. is like DM to the stars. Yeah, so it makes sense that a lot of these newer people <laughs> dungeon master to the stars. Yeah, he pretty much is. Um, yeah, and I will have to admit, before Origins, I I I knew a Critical Role, but I had no idea who Matt Mercer was. It I kind of watched them here and there they're not the greatest in the world i tried watching the first one and just like not for me no it's i i can't sit in front of the computer for four and a half hours and watch this thing it's like no right yeah i um i have a buddy who's super into critical role and i've seen like highlights but i've never seen an actual episode um the highlights are good like you know little bite-sized chunks of all the good bits yeah, right it i think the best actual play is one that's edited down so you mm-hmm. weed out all the uh, dead air the rule stuff and just get the story what's funny is they released critical role as an audio podcast but just left it as the entire thing of four hours and they just made it into a podcast yeah it's too it's too much yeah it's way too something much. to have on in the background at work <laughs> It's not that good, uh, but okay. Yeah. Upcoming well, if you releases. don't want to listen to people at work, then it's great. Well, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's how I would treat it. I'd rather listen to Save It Out Crispy, so. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. I heard that's a good show. Yeah. Good looking out. As long as I take, uh, you know, my anti-nauseous uh, medication. Ooh. 
or I mean, I would listen to that or Thacko's Hammer if I really wanted to listen to something. So there you go. So shameless plug. Glenn and Friends, Thacko'sHammer.info. Yeah. Upcoming releases you found out about, Matt? Yeah, uh, the uh, Tomb of Annihilation, which we've all heard about. And basically what they're doing is they're just taking their old IP and putting a new spin on it to get you to that way you, you got the history for the longtime players but and then mm-hmm. you also have the great uh settings and everything they already have so uh tomb of annihilation is basically a combination of like tomb of horrors and dwellers of the forbidden city so you're getting that lost it's Ooh. that lost world there are going to be dinosaurs and there's going to be rules for dinosaur racing Oh jeez! And there's going to be a take my fifty dollars. Uh, and there's an undead Tyrannosaurus Rex that spits out other dinosaurs or some or zombies out of its mouth. Yo, how are you guys not more excited about this? This is yeah, yeah. Lost me at dinosaur racing because I automatically see this becoming a total Munchkin thing. So yeah, but here's the thing: you get to race dinosaurs. Yeah, you know. And here's the thing: I I. I can understand that this would be like a product if it was kind of like it was meant to be over the top like that. Like um, if you remember when I did anomalous subsurface environment, that that mega dungeon where it's supposed to be gonzo over the top. Yeah, yeah. This sounds like it's supposed to be serious. Yeah. You mean Blackstone did it, not you. Uh, that that guy. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, um, yeah. <laughs> completely different hey, person. You can also now have flying monkeys as your familiars. Now, this sounds like it's it's going to be like, you know, this is going to be a real serious, like, you know, adventure. Yeah, we're going to have a dinosaur that's undead. It's going to shoot undead dinosaurs out of its mouth. How can you take that seriously? You can't. Right? No, you can't. No. That's no. Why it's hard it's, to take it seriously. It, it, if they put it over as something as like, it's supposed to be gonzo, over the top, weird, you know, I could, I could, I could go with that, but. They're going for the Lost World vibe because it's set in Chult. Lost, Lost World, but with like, uh, okay. Anyway, let's move on. Gen Con coming up. Yep, Gen Con, the big fifty. They are doing a ton of retrospective panels. They're even doing a recreation of the Horticultural Hall in Lucas Oil Stadium to the actual. It's actually the and putting a museum of like early manuscripts of D and all these historical artifacts in there. This museum will be in the exact layout of the horticultural hall in Lake Geneva in the exact same wow. size and everything. They even made the front facade of the building is the entrance. What's the, wow. uh, what's the estimated attendance for Gen Con this year? Is if, it 60, 70,000? If I were to guess I'm saying 70 uh, yeah. because the last two years they've had, Around sixty-ish thousand unique, and it, that's been flat. For them to actually start selling out, it would have to be a massive jump over that, because it, the sellout, from what I'm gathering, isn't due to fire code; it's due to staffing, and that yeah. they don't think they have enough staff to handle more than this amount of people. Yeah, I've I've also been hearing that there's been some fallout. From Gen Con, people going to Origins more now, right? Yeah, yeah. Just because of how big it's gotten, how they've treated their staff, Mm -hmm. and how well—that's the 
staff treats you. Well, the staff rules are now changing, too, because Emerald City Comic Con got sued over their volunteers. Uh, Gen Con no longer. Yes, they said the volunteers said we were treated like employees. We should be paid like employees. We want hourly pay. And it was a big deal. And they, they won Gen Con. There are not no longer volunteers for Gen Con. You are working. They're all paid. They're paid by the hour. Nice. Really? Like 10 bucks an hour or something like that. In a lot of places. So you're no longer empl- uh, uh, a quote unquote volunteer. You're an employee. Right. Or a co- independent contractor or something like that. A 1099 worker, I'm sure. Yes, exactly. You get tax form. Uh, and it's like some of the game companies for like the people that are doing demos. There was one company. They were paying people. If you were willing to run their games for 16 hours over the course of the con, they will comp you your badge and give you $100 a day and pay. Sign me up. I know. They were were doing that a while back. You can get your badge comped, plus you got money for everybody that signed up for your game. Because I remember I did that one year, and I got a free badge. And Where was that at? Gen Con. Yeah, like if you run games at Gen Con, the GMs get a cut because Gen Con gets the first $2. Yeah. Everything after that, it goes to the GM. I remember I got a check for like 30 bucks. I was like, where? I didn't even know I was getting it. It just came in the mail one day. I'm like, what the heck is this? 30 bucks. Oh, right. cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And he, that's why everything's like ticketed. And if you, and a lot of RPGs will be ticket uh, for four bucks because two yeah. goes to Gen Con, two goes to the GM. But these are actually like the game publishers themselves want people to run games in like their booths uh, or their demo area. And they yeah, are paying yeah. money. To get it, because especially considering the attendance is so big, they're like, oh, we need more staff. So, yeah, but with that, it's, uh, yeah, you get paid now, and in some ways it's better, in some ways it's worse. (sighs) Uh, Because, yeah, you're not getting, like, instead of being able to pay you in free product and things, they have to pay you in cash. Hmm. Which, the, the cash value you're getting paid, you probably... The manufacturer's suggested price of the product would probably outweigh the uh, actual cash you're getting. Oh, before I forget, when you went, you go into Origins, check-in system, much better this year, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I got I had to go to the press room, which involved me walking in the door. Hi, I'm with Roll for Initiative. Here's your badge. So, I w- yeah. The, the automated system for Origins. Oh yeah, the kiosks. Yeah, I was. In another two minutes, done. We'll have to do. We, we finally have to do one year that we're all there at, at Origin, so we yeah. can all do a show. Yeah, yeah. If ah. this kiosk system is like this next year, I mean, the the lines were virtually non-existent the whole convention. There there were some long lines, for, obviously, for people who aren't pre-registered. But if you were pre-registered, already had a badge in some fashion, man, you were in and out of there just a couple of minutes. They it, they did a fantastic job. Yeah. Yeah, and with at Gen Con this year, they're doing a lot of history panels. They have like twenty some panels, and they've just got everyone wow. who's every anyone in the gaming industry basically talking about the history of Gen Con and the history of gaming. Oh, uh, I want to go now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's I, I saw the list. I'm like, I would love to go to all of these, but I could just sit in the panels all day and never actually see the con if I did it. I think some of them mm-hmm. are being recorded. I don't know how okay. they. I've seen Peter Atkinson mentioned on Facebook. Yeah, this panel is going to be recorded and this panel is going to be recorded. I don't know how he's releasing them, but they are being oh, recorded. YouTube. 
hopefully. It's funny because these panels are exactly the ones that they pretty much do at North Texas. So, and those are broadcast via the web right. every Yeah, with so. this uh this whole idea is actually John Peterson's because he a couple of years ago, talked to Peter Atkinson at Gen Con. I was like, so for the 50th Gen Con's coming up, got anything planned? And Peter kind of just stared at him blankly because he didn't have anything special planned. And John was like, I got this. So, <laughs> so that's how it all got set up. So I'm doing a few panels um, that'll talk history, which is like Tim Kask and uh, Frank Menser, Luke Gygax, um, Steve Winter, Harold Johnson, Merle Rasmussen, Tom Wham. So it'll be cool to hear them talk the history and everything. So and I'll come back with a yeah. full report. So yeah, <laughs> and recordings and recordings. Yes, and recordings. I also have a. We'll be uh, sitting down and getting to talk to uh, Rick Loomis of Flying Buffalo and getting to talk, talk to him for a little Flying bit. Flying Buffalo. There you go. Yep. Some tunnels and trolls. So get some. There you go. Old school and Grimtooths. Yep. And Grimtooths. So get to talk to him for a little bit. So that'll be fun. So what's this on the bottom of here you had about Gen Con proclaiming themselves as uh, in the past? That whole sentence you have there? Premier Wargaming Convention? Oh, yeah, because before 1974, RPGs didn't exist, and Gen Con's older than RPGs. Yeah. Yes, it is. So basically, they're talking about the one panel is going to be about that transition from war games to RPGs. Oh, yeah. There was, hmm. some, there was some friction between those two communities. To say the least. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, e- e- even with Origins too, because Origins kept the uh, war gaming for a lot longer. But oh, you, yeah. But you can even tell that's dropped off the historical war gaming and stuff compared to what it was. Yeah, I don't know. It's I I like Origins because it has a real good mix of everything. Yeah. You want to do if you want to do war gaming, board gaming, card collecting games, whatever you want to do. There's there's something there for everybody. That's why I think I like going there so much. Hmm. Cool. And it's close by. <laughs> All righty. Let's move on here. Uh, iTunes reviews. Stars. Nick. Yes, sir. iTunes reviews. Uh, so if you want to give us a review on a show or uh, our current one or previous shows, you know, go on the iTunes and type in search, uh, roll for initiative, and I'll Follow the links there, and you can give us a review. Good or bad, we'll read it. We prefer good ones, but hey, you know, we'll we'll read whatever comes our way. And maybe we'll take your uh, suggestions into consider- consideration, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, our first one is from the Speed Force Reviews This. Reviewed this. And it says, great show, five stars. I enjoy old school. And all the shows that Wild Game, Wild Gaming Productions uh, produces. Uh, thanks, guys. So thank you very much there. And we got another one from Emalahau. I think that's how it's pronounced. And one of the three must listen D D podcasts. Five stars. So it says I have tried so many di- different uh, podcasts for information. This is one of the top three I've heard along with Roll to Hit and Adventure Zone, ton of work and goes into production. Um, and the same amount of content of and history and technical guidance for or about D&D First Edition. And even if you play 5th or 
3.5 or pure old school, you should listen. Uh, you get gets back to the roots of gaming that that I love. And just talk about how like it's a throwback to the childhood days. Um, it's a little bit about talking about their first rolling up their first character who was a ranger listening to rush and eating cajun spice ruffles <laughs> why, why don't those exist anymore that's i know those were awesome awesome <laughs> and of course you're a gamer you listen to rush right <laughs> i mean that's that goes without saying so thank you so much Emilahau. and we got another one said by schauser144 another five-star review and uh said review revived my interest in ad and d said uh i am a preteen early 80s and love the game uh when i uh like much of your listeners lost touch in college grad school picked it up again more most recently uh brought, i bought some of the later edition books and was put off by the feet surges and healing stuff so yeah i totally get that uh found their uh Found on eBay, a first edition AD&D books, because I guess when they were a kid, my mom loaned them to her friend's son while I was away at college, and my full <laughs> set never returned. So <laughs> how we've heard similar stories like that some people in the past, you know? Uh, they think our podcast is excellent. Uh, enjoy getting back to the game I love, and your podcast has helped me expand my engagement with the game. Thanks for dedication to best version p.s why roll for a magic missile to hit i'll do that after i quote unquote surge away my injuries <laughs> and our last one is by angela and says love this podcast there's no better podcast for one edm to listen to while you're painting miniatures cool okay someone's still painting miniatures i dig that mm -hmm. uh, guys these guys are pretty knowledgeable and they touch on stuff that's useful to anyone running the game I got a few decent ideas or starts for them and hope to keep putting stuff out. So thank you, Angela, another five-star review. So lots of five-star reviews and getting a lot of stuff from at least past few, like people who've been out of touch for the game. And I guess just going through looking for podcasts, either on YouTube or iTunes and they come upon us and they're like, Hey, the game is still alive. So we're glad that we've, uh, renewed your interest in first edition AD&D &D and you know hope you continue on so that's fantastic and that's all of our reviews for this time 222 reviews on iTunes four and a half stars that's amazing that's terrific it's huge four and a half stars gonna shoot for five <laughs> yeah right I think I don't think it's possible to even get five at this point because if you get a couple fours threes twos and ones around the road it can only go with i think a quarter star something like that quarter star three quarter star excuse me three quarter but four and a half stars that's great yeah it is for a, for a six-year-old seven-year-old see yeah old? what are we up to eight years now oh my god yeah that so, it was uh, like the very end of 2009 nine. so hmm. it'll be eight years this december wow Eight years this December? No. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because oh it was like the tail end of 2009. That's just yeah, so 2009 would be 10 years, so. Wow. Cool. That's amazing. 
Uh, we also going to drop a link in the show notes. Oh, thank you everyone that did the reviews. Appreciate that. And yes, look forward to more reviews. Uh, moving on. We're going to drop a link in the show notes for a new video that we found on uh, mm-hmm. by Amy Vorpal, the DM's lament. It's a great music video by her song by her via the saving throw show. The reason we're pointing it out because the song is great, but it also features a lot of basic D and D and one E uh, stuff in there because she is a old school player herself along with the saving throw group themselves. They've done plenty of music videos and stuff. One of them was uh, just give me a D six was one of theirs. And now this one, they have a couple other ones, but this one featured a lot of AD and D product in it. So we wanted to throw that out there and give a, little throw out you know segment throw out for that so take a listen to the video and enjoy it you'll probably really relate to it as a dm so what did you guys think about it i liked it yeah i've only seen like a minute and a half of it well i'm sorry crispy mostly because i hated it it was the worst really because short attention span from a millennial that's what it is. Hey, man, only I get to make fun of myself for being millennial. You're very <laughs> triggering right now. Oh, I triggered him. Sorry. Oh. No, I liked it. It was really funny. And just all the little things about there being a DM and just like, oh, my gosh. Been there. <laughs> Done that. Yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. All righty, then. So let's head into our... First segment of the show, our main lead of the show. We're going to go into Are some DM rules. Are you right now? Want to help support the show? Why not head over to the Patreon site, patreon.com slash WGP. That's patreon.com slash WGP. And help support the network for as little as $1.50 a month. That's right, $1.50 a month goes a long way. Thank you. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want, but I have a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. All right, folks. Going to our meat and potatoes segment here roundtable talk we're going to talk about whites and how to play uh, you know being a dm playing a white a little bit and how they're much maligned and hated by players yeah <laughs> much so them, a uh, little bit of history reason. on them and um some interesting twists and takes on the right on the on the white and how it could uh basically spring you know I want to say put some new life into your campaign, but they actually, they take away life. No. <laughs> okay. Moving on. <laughs> Found an interesting link uh, by the layer blog. Uh, he had listed 10 different variant whites to spice up your campaign, change it up in case you don't like the traditional white. And we'll go over each of those as we get to it. But yeah, I want to start with the history of the white. Yeah. Uh, our, our history department research uh, department there. Uh, thanks, Matt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> found that that, the the white in in D and D and A D and D is based off the Barrow White, maybe from the Lord of the Rings, but even goes further than that. Comes back from William Morris's translation of the uh, Greta Saga, where a drog, the drog is translated as Barrow White. So, 
Yeah, the, the yeah. greatest saga is like an old Icelandic folklore from yes. the 13th century. So, yeah, it's not as old as uh, Beowulf, but yeah, it's <laughs> it's an Icelandic saga, and mm-hmm. and that that's where they believe that the term white came from, and it's a <coughs> old English word for wit. Used to describe a creature or living sentient being as akin to the old High German wit, meaning a creature or thing. Give me one second. I actually studied Old English in college. Uh, I have a book like, like right across the room that I had out a couple of days ago that actually has a, a, a glossary in it. So I'm going to be right back in just a second. I'll, I'll look into that for us. Okay. Well, meanwhile, while he's looking that up, yeah, the first mention of white also was in the in the uh, Lord of the Rings book yes. one, chapter eight. Yes. So it has its roots there. It has its roots where Matt had found it also from William Morris's translation. So it's been around in our fantasy history for quite some time. So. It has absolutely. It's a pretty nasty creature that's, you know, draining your levels from your characters. But, you know, a lot of DMs feel bad about using that monster, which I don't see why. But Well, I think maybe why is because it's, is it a, would you consider a mid-level range monster because of the hit dice? A, th- a three hit dice undead? Yeah, it's four plus three hit dice. Yeah. Yeah, it has so, to be mid-level because if you're low level, you could die from one or two hits it's not something i would throw with you know a first level party i mean no, maybe no way maybe it's to frighten them but i wouldn't yeah. i would maybe if the characters were anywhere like fifth sixth seventh level yeah. that's where i would probably have whites in in the in the game maybe right. fourth right. you know it's like the the thing that i've always found a pain when running them is just the bookkeeping involved when you start draining levels I just yes. hate that so much, yeah. and that's always been the turnoff for me when it comes to using level drains. It's not so much I don't mind draining the levels. I just don't want to do the backwards math. I just think it, that it, you have to think of it's kind of hilarious, though, when they level drain, you forget things. <laughs> yeah, know? and that's it's like Matt was saying with the bookkeeping. It's such a chore because if you know you're going to use whites, do you have them track how much HP they gained? per level so you can just go backwards with that do you have them like you know how do you how do you do that bookkeeping it's yeah that's a that's a very good question i would probably hmm, thinking about that now because if you don't a lot of people don't keep track i don't I know track. i've never have people roll their hit points blah, blah blah if you're one of those people like oh yeah first five levels or max hit points i've seen some dms do that then it's easy yeah just max hit point away Mm-hmm. easy i would say do a random roll level hit dice that's how many hit points take away yeah that makes and, that makes sense and i would be like with the player actually i would probably sit with the players and say what do you guys want to do we can do it that will just do the average hit points taken away per level mm-hmm. or we'll do the roll that's uh oh yeah but if you roll you could always roll higher than what they actually yeah. gained. Like if they gained one hit point, this level. You can I also think... do the whole, okay, we're both roll and DM rolls, player rolls, the lower the two rolls, that's what you take off. Hmm. So if you think about it, the damage done by a white besides its claw attack of one one to four. Yeah. It does an additional X die damage depending yeah. on the class that it's a 
imagine like okay a white attacks a uh let's just say a fighter which yeah. was a d10 for hit points right yeah so you do a d4 he loses a level and then you roll another d10 will lost hit points for losing the level man that's pretty nasty yeah. <laughs> if you think about it it is yeah and then what if you're then you get into like when you're talking bookkeeping stuff what if you attack a multi-class character with a white oh yeah. oh yeah like do you take it out of the level the most recent level gained or i oh, think God, they all a lose a level no i think each i think well i don't know do each class lose a level or is it like the highest level of the multi-class gets i would like go the highest just because if each class is a level like you're getting in the essence of fairness like if i'm a multi-class like cleric thief and somebody else is just a single class fighter and i get hit i lose two levels but they only lose one yeah I mean, that's that doesn't seem very fair i wonder if there was a sage advice on that at all there might have been. I there don't, might have I, been. I'm going to have to research that. Hmm. But I think it's a DM fiat situation where the DM could probably say, I would maybe just roll a D6, even this class, odd that class. Yeah. Make it totally random. I like that yeah. idea. So, yes, kind of going, um, I do have my old English book here. Um, wheat, yeah, was was the, the name for creature. Um, the modern English is... Um, is white, but there are a couple other like things that it could be tied into, um, like Huita, which I know they don't sound that different. There, they are, uh, which means punishment or torment. Uh, there's also uh, Gilitan, which means uh, depart as well. So there's a couple different things that could go in that with the whites being a dead thing. Okay, well, that ties into the whole uh, undead thing for whites, and that's mm-hmm. fine. And along with whites, there, there's, I guess there's two other undead creatures that are very similar. You got the white, you got the ghost, you have the wraith. Yeah. And, yeah. and the wraith, though the difference between the white and the wraith is the wraith is non-corporal. It's it's hmm. it's an ethereal creature. It's a ghost white. Well, yeah, uh, the wraith is it's um, it's tied into the negative material plane, uh, obviously. But basically, a wraith is almost a more powerful version of the white. Mm-hmm. If you look, if you look at it that way, they get they do have more hit dice. They do more damage. Uh, they still do the uh, level drain, and. The difference between the the another difference between the white and the wraith is, if I remember correctly, a white when it hits regular humans, it'll level drain, but not to uh, demi humans like dwarves, elves, and gnomes. A wraith will. <laughs> so a, mm-hmm. if a wraith hits your favorite dwarven uh, fighter cleric, uh, yeah, he's gonna get level drained. No, I think it. From what I'm reading here, it affects anything. Yeah, anything as far as I can remember. Yeah, Wraith will, yeah. It'll drain. No, the, the White will. The White will, too? I thought it would not. Oh, I'm thinking ghouls. They will yeah, not ghouls, paralyze. Yeah, uh, 
elves are immune to the the paralysis of a ghoul. Okay, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> There's definitely a weird undead progression in D anD. d It's like a very yeah. video game thing. It's like you get like zombie, and then um, ghoul, then oh, ghast, yeah. skeleton, then white. zombie, ghoul. Yeah, 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 and, and then those. ghost, wraith, and then I guess specter. Is that like a thing? Um, yeah, you have a specter. Yeah, I would say the ghost is probably more in my opinion, more powerful than a a, a, a wraith or a specter hmm. it is for certain because... You, you can basically look at the turning rules for clerics to determine the strength yeah. comparatively yeah. of all the undead. So, and it's weird because, like, a, the difference with ghosts is they, they don't level drain you. They take time off your maximum life. Yeah. So, you know... What's what is the difference between level drain and and how that affects you? I'm not like level drain seems because it's you know it's a it's a game of mechanic that you're actively using, you know that seems more powerful than so they actually have it built into the rules how many hit points they lose for a while. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so we were yeah we were actually absolutely wrong. I mean I've been doing it probably wrong. So the example they give a ninth level magic user struck by a white loses 1d4 hit points and becomes an 8th level magic user. He has the spells and the hit points of a 8th level, level magic user and his melee as an 8th level character of his class. So that's yeah, how the 1d4 hit points is just from the actual physical attack. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't actually say it at all. Yeah, right. it doesn't really like it just goes now he's 8th level. Figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which it's like I was doing it right. Also, yeah. No, you're 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 perfectly right with it. Yeah, Yeah. I was like, did I just have I been doing it wrong all this time? No, it's like they. Yeah, you have the hit points of an eighth level character. They just don't tell you how to get around to that. Yeah, (laughs) might be a question to throw at like Tim Cask or there you go, go, Matt at the convention. Yeah, be like, hey, level draining. How do you keep track of this crap? And that's how Cask will probably answer it. Well, this crap here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, just just to go back to the aging of the from the ghost, though, uh, with the Uh-oh. ghost, aren't you supposed to actually figure out the max age of your character? Yeah, when, you are. Yeah. So at that point, your DM supposed Jeez. to be whittling those off. Oh, no, actually, just the mere sight of a ghost will make you age 10 years and flee in panic for two to 12 turns turns unless you make a save yeah but then if it hits you it also does 10 to 20 years off of you doesn't it right um 10 to 40 yeah 40 okay yeah Yeah, 10 to 40 that's where it gets bad yeah and that's where you also add in the aging rules 60 feet of a ghost you're subject to attack by magic jars from the from the ghost Hmm. so yeah they could trap your soul. <laughs> yeah. So if you get hit twice by a ghost and it does max 20 to 80 years of. You're, yeah. If you're a human, you're probably dead. If you're an elf, you probably don't care. Yeah. yeah actually, say, an elf, you're like, go ahead, go for it. It'll make <laughs> me better. <laughs> yeah. I would like, I would rule ghosts as being like, if you get hit three times by a ghost, you're pretty much you're done, son. What about, uh, we, we kind of missed looking at the groaning spirit. Did you oh, think of the banshee? Yeah, I mean, she. Her, oh, she's nasty. Save or die, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. 
not to plug oh, Crispy yeah. Show, but um, <laughs> coming soon to the yes. Wild Games Productions Network. Yes. Yeah, the Banshee is real nasty. In fact, I, there's one module where there is a Banshee in it. I'm trying to remember which it is. I think it's Temple of Elemental Evil. There's a Banshee. Hit Dice 7 creature. So that might be something to look into the the Groaning Spirit Banshee to see what she, uh, her history behind that. that sounds yeah, like she a- groans. You're within 30 feet, save or die at the spot. Jeez. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> So another creature to consider there. Yeah, another one. All right. Well, say now you have the white. You're like, oh, well, I don't really want to use it in my campaign. It's like not cool. I don't really want to drain the levels. It's such a pain. What about variations? Well, we found a uh, blog, like we said, the layer, mm-hmm. who took into account this and decided to make up his own version of like 10 different whites going i'll read them down the list and then we can go over them sure one does positive energy one spell stealing one is lunacy which does the insanities one is lingering one is festering one is disease bearer one is depleting one is withering one is umbral and one is a tumor <laughs> so it's not, it's not a tumor, a tumor. Uh, <laughs> really it isn't so the two of you are jinxed and no longer could talk it's not a tumor. Ah, Nick broke it. He owes us a beer. <laughs> I don't owe you anything. <laughs> Nick, stop. <laughs> I do okay. have a serious question, though. Uh-oh. Who is your daddy, and what does he do? Crispy, this is your last show. All right. <laughs> uh, volume 8 will be next episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, positive energy one. That's my favorite. <laughs> That's just weird. That's, no, it's like it fills you with a radiant light and then you explode. It, it is kind of cool because every time it hits you, you're like you gain hit points back as mm-hmm. opposed to losing it. And if you go double the amount of your hit dice hit points, you blow up. You just boom in a radiant light to a million pieces. So the players are like, oh, this is cool, man. I'm getting more hit points. And you as a DM be like, oh, you're over your max? Just keep adding it. And they'll be like, oh, all right, that's cool. And they'll start wondering and they're, every time so, they get hit. So yeah. if you get hit by this thing, okay, like let's go with our like our ninth level magic user example, like from the from D and the white regular one. Yeah. So if you got hot hit uh, nine times by this th- thing, essentially, right? As a ninth level, because that's doubling your hit dice, right? So you would blow up. Am I am I right on that? If the opponent gained twice its starting HD, it explodes. Right. So if you had a ninth level magic user, which is essentially nine hit dice. I think it's saying the actual hit points, though. No, it's saying hit dice. Well, because hit dice cap out for magic users. True. <gasps> oh. Yeah. So, like, it, it caps at 17, right? Yeah. So you couldn't, technically, you couldn't double that. But I mean, like, I, I think the spirit of the rule is. That if you get hit nine times, that's how it, I would interpret it. It's worded really weirdly. It's yeah. saying it causes HD gain. I think he means HP gain. Yeah, that's what I would I interpret so that too. as HP as well. Bonus. Because- yeah, I think he means hit points, not hit dice. That's yeah. how I read it. And then you confused me when you said that. I'm like, wait, isn't it hit points, not hit? No, it says hit dice. Yeah, I think he meant hit points. I think so, you're right. 
double the starting. So if you start the encounter with, say, like, I don't know, 35 hit points, mm-hmm. if you get you 70, 70. Hit, 70, boof, you just blow yeah. into a billion pieces, chunks That's, everywhere. Yeah, no, does, well, does the yeah. white have to hit you for 70, or does he have to just put you up to 70? Put you up does to it, 70. Okay, because it says if you gain twice double, yourself. which to me is like if you gain, gain double, if you hit, get hit for double your so HP. So if you total. gain 70, I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah. I'm but doing I would, it as a whole, you keep hitting, you keep adding it, you keep adding it. That's also how I would run it. Yeah, that's how I would too, because, I mean, you can see the way it's kind of intended and it mm-hmm. seems to be that instead of doing damage, it's uh, healing hit points, but the hit points should be treated as damage. Therefore, if you get to ice, you're starting, you're dead. Yeah. All right. So that's basically a DM fiat to just, mm-hmm. you know, which basically this whole game is DM fiat. Yeah. But. Right. <laughs> that's just like, <laughs> <in> it, like, <laughs> yeah, I just like playing out this encounter in my head because it's a white like it's it's a pretty scary looking creature but this one would be like old and feeble and it's just like pawing at the players and like ah each each hit makes me gain in strength let's just like let's just let this happen and then the first one it just explode and everyone else freaks out because they've spent the last half an hour just letting this thing paw at them and like Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, oh, okay. them up. yeah. They're like, here, let's get let ourselves be groped by this white. <laughs> yeah. That's just wrong. That's It'll just so make wrong. Them, make them think twice about going against whites. So yeah, that would. All right. So steal. Oh, steal spelling. Yeah, let's do it backwards. Spell stealing. <laughs> spell stealing. <laughs> so this white, when it touches you, it drains spells. That's Any touch will randomly drain the highest level spell memorized. The spell drain should be determined randomly. Once the white has drained twice its hit dice in spell levels, it explodes <laughs> to 30 foot radius doing 60. He's really into explosions with this thing. Yeah. I'm having- so now this is where I, I would think that the whole hit dice situation comes into. So if he's draining the highest level spell of a fourth level spell, yeah, that's a four hit dice that gets added to his. So he could, if he's going after a high level party, he can explode pretty quickly. He could explode on the first That's hit. That's why you have multiple of these things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He also, when you finally, he can absorb it. So every time he absorbs it, it'd be like a D6 of damage added up until he gets to the 66 and explodes. Right. Yeah. So if you, if it's absorbed some spells and you kill it, you're, it's still going to blow, but just not as much. For example, if the white drains one second level spell slot and two first level spell slots, the damage would be 4d6 upon death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice exploding. No save, apparently, because I don't see anything listed there. They blow up real good. Yep. Alternatively, the white could drain the spell memorized and recast the spell the following round. I wow. like that. That's yes. pretty evil. Yeah, I like That's that. what I would do. It's like, oh, fireball? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Lightning bolt? Hmm. Oh, what's this? Wish? <laughs> oh. Any oh. person that has wish memorized, oof, better watch out. Yes. Yeah, no kidding. All right. So anyway, that one's a good one to play with. Now, lunacy. 
Each touch from the white causes 1d4 wisdom points drained. Mm-hmm. If reduced to zero wisdom, the character dies. All right, that's mm-hmm. fine. We understand that. For each wisdom point drained, there is a 10% cumulative chance of gaining an insanity. Hmm. And consult a DMG for insanity every time. So there's, or there's a, a D6 roll you could do on a chart here. Yeah, or consult a DMG. So they're saying it's a cumulative chance of insanity 10% each time. So every time a point is drained, or is it every point? It's every, every point. For, for each point of wisdom drained, Got there's it, a 10% yeah. cumulative chance. So you roll 1d4, you roll 2, 20% chance. Mm-hmm. Next time, 1, now it's a 30% chance. Is it, or is it just per attack it's cumulative? Not you know, I think it might be per attack, so you can yeah. gain multiple insanities. Yeah, it it, it strictly <laughs> goes by yeah for each point of wisdom. So yeah, every time you get hit, even if you're already insane, you can go more insane. I think yeah, this is a would... good point where you should break out the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles insanity charts <laughs> oh, or yes. call it the filler rules. I was just thinking about the yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles insanity would... chart. Do the turtles one from the original original game? The one the parents took away from everybody. Oh, yes. but... the, the one that they oh, yeah. I have that around here somewhere. Yeah, use that chart. <laughs> Be super... I would probably use the Call of Cthulhu rules for the different types of insanities because they handle it real well. Yeah, kind of fun there. Yeah, Nick, you want to take the next one for me? Yeah, there's this next one lingering. What do they kind of mean by this? <laughs> so again, the white does one d four points of damage for each round thereafter. The victim's wounds continue to bleed, to, to bleed. Basically, you're bleeding out. And he continues to take an additional D4, to D4, 1D4 points of damage after the first round until the wound is bandaged or cure, cure spell is uh, cast. And multiple touches are cumulative. <sighs> so, hmm. Basically, yeah, it's like having Vorpal Claw attack here. That's pretty nasty. So 1d4 points of damage, then you continually bleed out until you're bandaged, a heal spell, cure light wounds, whatever, or you just bleed out of your hit points until you die. I like that lingering one. That's actually kind of interesting. Then you have, I guess, a variant of that is festering. So, again, you still have your standard d4 point of damage from the claw attack. But this claw attack cannot be healed naturally at all. It has to be magically healed. So that's your festering one. So that's kind of interesting. I'd almost, uh, you could almost combine those two. You can bleed out yeah. and then you could, and it only could be healed by magic. But yeah, the festering one, that's a good one. I would say if you don't want to go with the regular white, but you want to have something that's a little more, uh, not as not as dangerous. That's a good way to go. Um, yeah, disease bearing. I like this one. And this one makes sense to me. Because um, you, know, you figure white, whites live in unclean, unkept conditions for the most part. So the white has various diseases inhabiting and incubating inside its body. So you have the touch you know, or the the attack does 1d4 points of damage and 1d4 points of constitution drain. So you do constitution drain and your regular damage 
and you reach zero con, you die. It's sort of like a variant of the the man of the uh, lunacy one, except it's with con. So yeah. all, so also uh, for each attack, it's a cumulative ten percent chance of cat contracting a disease. And you consult the first edition DM's guide for the disease uh, results. So you go to that table there. I I like the so far. I got to say I like the idea of these because. I think the big thing that kind of um, that jumps out to me is you're finally getting to use tables in the DMs guide that you don't normally use, <laughs> you know, actually putting them to good use, like the the insanity table. How often do you use that? Probably not much. The disease one, not so much. Putting them in the good use here, right? Depending on what type of DM you are. Well, okay, I'll give, I'll give you that. Yeah, sure. Um, and I guess uh, another one I could cover right here. <laughs> this yeah. one, this okay. one, Ready. this is the one that'll piss people off. <laughs> yeah, I know. Depleting each stretch attack t- drains one d four times one hundred experience points. <laughs> it drains XP. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, but that's better than draining full levels. Not for players. Are you kidding me? Well, levels, yes. Okay, this I guess it'd be a ver- a version of that. Eventually, it could mm-hmm. uh, drain you down a level. But here's where it gets interesting. <coughs> Excuse me. For every ex- hundred experience points drained, the white gains what's called a cognition point, and these points are used to augment their abilities, and they can be spent freely once per round. Then they fade after one hour. And there's a uh, you can use these cognition cognition points to gain special abilities for the white if you don't use them so nasty nasty uh one point you could still drain additional 1d6 100 experience points you can increase your armor class by one your attack bonus by one heal yourself 1d4 hit points that's for one point you can choose for one of those or multiple say if you had Say if you accumulated four cognition points for your white, eh, he's going to get an attack bonus, maybe the heal, and then for two points you could choose next attack causes paralysis for 2d4 turns. Yikes. Can only be harmed by plus two magic weapons for one round. Double yikes. Yeah, double yikes, and movement increased by uh, times by two. You can get those. <laughs> choose one of those for two points. Now, I like three points. I'm yeah. imagining the white when he uses these like turns super saiyan and you see like all these like exploding energy coming out of him and he's like yes. Yeah, he gets bigger, gets faster. Switches uh, to the cutscene for transformation. Yeah. And three points. Let's say if you wanted to get a one point and then you would say, Oh, I'm gonna put three points into it. So there's one three point cognition uh one you could get. Next attack roll two D twenty and take the better of the results. Oh, so it gets advantage. Yes. Or you could put all four of your cognition points into draining a level. Nah, that's boring. Yeah, so that's here's boring. my question with this, because it says they can be spent freely. If yeah. I have three points, can yeah. I spend two to, like, you know, give myself um, yeah. a, a one point and a two point? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yes, you could do that. Or I could save them up and, like, or you could save them do up. a bunch save. of different things at once on one turn. Yes. Yes. Like, say if you had seven points you can get a four you can get a two and then a one 
Mm-hmm. You could just be so evil and be like the first couple rounds, drain yeah. those experience points, and the players are like, oh, crap, man, we got to defeat this thing. And all of a sudden, that fourth or fifth round, you're like, boom, you're paralyzed. Boom, you're paralyzed. What's that? You can't hit me now because plus two only hits me. Yeah. Oh, and don't forget, though, for this is 1d4 times 100 experience points, and every 100 is one cognition mm-hmm. point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. One cognition point. That's that could accumulate rather quickly. Yeah, you can get up to double digit uh, cognition points in a matter of a couple of rounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I wonder if these were any any of these were play tested or he just kind of made them up. Because if I, I'd love to hear what his group thought about all these. Yeah, things. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he probably heard you're never DMing again, jerk, <laughs> jerk, drain my XP. What the all heck? Right. Crispy, grab that last couple. Yeah. Uh, the next one would be withering. Each touch drains the vitality from a random body part. The affected area becomes lifeless and unusable. Touching an arm will make holding a weapon impossible. Touching a leg will knock the opponent to the prone and require that person to hop around. <laughs> just only a flesh like wound. The black, yeah, the black knight. Um, touching the head, however, will put the victim into a coma and require a system shock roll. Uh, or con attribute check. Failure results in instant death. Um, the DM should educate uh, game mechanic effects. Uh, vitality of the affected area will return after a night's rest. Could so, you, and then you have a D6 table. I was just thinking about this. If this creature was translated into 5e with that, you know how many people would whine? Oh, yeah. Oh, like, instant God. death effect, you would not, like, be able to do anything. I, so, the the part, like the body part table on this is just a D6. Yeah, so it's yeah. like there's equal chance for any of these yeah. things. Oh, yeah. 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 It was so like, you I, can, I would you lean know, more you towards can roll the, a six to hit the head. Yeah. I would lean more towards using like how Top Secret has the D10 for the body parts. Hmm. So I, I would do a percentile. I would do. Yeah. Yeah. That I would be, also do a percentile. Yeah. And leave the head at like less than 5%, maybe. Right. Yeah. Like. That way you can weight the torso a little higher and yeah. like the hand. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if the head is instant death, if you like, or going into a coma and then potentially instant death, that's, that's a lot to have the same equal weight. Yeah. That's why I would do percentile. That way you can mix and match it how you need to for your game. Yeah. And if you really hate a player and his character, you can put like head 90%. And you can, yeah. And another thing you could do, you could even break it down even more to more specific body parts. Instead of the the arm, you could just say the hand or the foot. Yeah, like hand, or, arm, work your way around. So that way you have... Yeah, or, you know, it withers your forearm. Or it withers... Anyway, moving on. We're going to keep this PG. <laughs> the pool Next was one. cold. Next we have Umbral. The touch of this white drains color and eventually turns the victim into a shadow. So that's pretty good. I like that. Touch drains all vibrant colors from the victim's body and clothes. He appears dark and dull gray. The second touch uh, turns the victim's clothes and body into solid darkness. The third touch, they become incorporeal and immediately become a shadow. So you only get three hits with this one before you're, you know, you're you're out of the game. That yeah. The color drain Before though makes barrel white turns you into a ring wraith. Lord yeah, of the Rings. Well, no, the the first hit from this turns you into a sad troll from the troll movie. 
<laughs> when the trolls get sad, they lose all their color and go gray. I thought you were talking about a troll in Central Park, but uh. you know, you're talking about the like. Was there? Did Sony Pictures make a troll doll movie? A troll doll movie? Yes. That's dumb. That's Justin Timberlake was one of the main trolls. <laughs> I could see that. Anyway. <laughs> Final I'm not one. sure how I feel about well, I want to kind of go with the umbrella. I'm not sure, like, this one's kind of dumb. Like, I just, it turns your, your clothes drab and, I don't know. If you're and then doing it turns a Rainbow like, Bright-themed one, D&D game, draining color works. Yeah. I guess that would be, if we're all in the land of, Oz. I've never seen Rainbow Bright, I can't make any references to that. The land of Oz? Yeah, yeah, yeah the, it's a horse of a different color. The hey, land of Dairy Queen? Oh, no. Yeah. This is Nick's last show. Um, say <laughs> God, how are you going to replace uh, everyone except <laughs> you and Matt? On it's the just going to be me and Matt. The yeah. Matt show. All hey. right. Fine. I'd you listen know. to that. Uh, Chris uh, and I will do our own show. Oh, Fine. yeah. Yes, and just for those that have to know, the land in Rainbow Bright is actually called Rainbow Land. They were very, uh, very, no, yes, very it's moving on. <laughs> the tumor, uh, white. Tumor. Each <laughs> that Matt actually Googled that. <laughs> Each touch causes uh, causes a large pulsating cyst to form on the victim's body. That's real gross. Yeah. Uh, the following round, the cyst bursts, dealing one d six damage to uh. Uh, to the player and and also birthing a homunculus. The homunculus is is linked to the white and attacks. God, that's awful. You just like the white slaps you in the face and you get a gigantic zit and then it bursts and there's a little dude that also, you know, jumps jumps on your face and starts like chilling your eyes out. That's That's just and know what I would do with all of these? I would have all ten in one time. One of I was time. thinking about that. Like, if you just have a big white battle where you fight all the variant whites, oh, I that actually would be total, really interesting. I would totally do that. <laughs> this one's pretty nasty. I actually really like the tumor white. I do too. For flavor wise, yeah. Because you can imagine, you know, the 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 player character getting hit by this thing is like, oh my god, I got a giant tumor. Next round. It did what? It it bursts and it a deals a a d six homunculus out of me. What? And yeah, now what? now there's a little dude. He's, yeah, he's, he's ripping your, your face off. He's your son, and he resents you for never going to his baseball games. <laughs> a resentful homunculus. You could like expand this if you don't want to do like um assist or something like that. You could do like um you could do like a rot grub white. Or like yeah. you know, he's covered in like you know worms and and beetles, and he hits you, and you, you have to save or die, uh, as per like rock ropes. Yeah. Okay. The author of this blog is also the one that did the Beast Folio Volume One that we reviewed a couple issues back. Mm. Remember that with the weird creatures that were in there, yeah. the Chaosus, the Jelly, the Red Legged Scissor Man, and the oh Steve- yeah, 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 I remember that. Steve Morella. Okay. We did that so? Yeah, Fun the red legged surgeon. Remember that because the the picture was disturbing. Yes. 
So there's some variation on whites for your game. Uh, we'll put the link in the show notes, Matt will include it, and yep. we'll, you can go take a look at these yourself and see how you want to apply them. Maybe they'll give you some ideas to modify for your game. Maybe yeah, I have a whole bunch of ideas after this. Like you could just do a, a white, and when it hits you, another monster happens. <laughs> like Ram- that's kind of a lot of like a couple of these are, are like that. You know, use the uh, random uh, encounter table. And yeah, then, and that's what spits out. <laughs> <laughs> he hits you tarask. and uh, a tarask I was going, man nick a tarask bursts out of your chest alien style yes. now, now his blog is set up more for uh bx labyrinth lord but you can easily just tack this on using the aec that which we gave a review of a while back so easily this can be incorporated into one e very hmm. easily Okay, so there's your variation on the whites. Uh, let's see what you think. RFI staff at gmail.com, 570-865-4210. Head over to our Facebook page, slash RFI podcast, our G Plus community, which you can find pretty easily. They're all linked to the Facebook page. Give us your feedback. Tell us what you think. Tell us how you use these in your games. Tell us how you translate them, correct them, destroy them, pick them apart. Let us know. And... uh I guess we're going to say keep it original, keep it old school. Good night, everybody. Bye, everybody. Good night. Listen to Save or Die. We're back. The Roll for Initiative podcast is a production of Wild Games Productions. You can visit us at rfipodcast.com or contact us on our forums at osrgaming.org or even call us at 570-865-4210. This podcast was produced for entertainment purposes only. All other uses are prohibited. Remember, if your magic missile spell doesn't automatically hit, you're playing the wrong edition. Thanks for listening and see you next time on Roll for Initiative.